Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, April 11th. We begin with a look at the ongoing Russian invasion of Ukraine. We get the latest and a look at the tactics being used by Russian military now being considered war crimes with Alexandra Ustinov, Ukrainian MP and member of the Parliamentary Law Enforcement Committee. Then a focus on Alberta politics and the UCP leadership review. We get an update on the process, which began over the weekend with Lori Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University. It's World Parkinson's Day. We learn about the debilitating disease, which affects over 100,000 Canadians. We speak with Larry Gifford, a spokesperson for a group called PD Avengers, who lives with Parkinson's. And finally, get ready to be inspired. We hear details on next month's WILD conference produced by international women's support group Wine, Women and Wellbeing, which features best-selling author and speaker Elizabeth Gilbert. Revelations and details about the atrocities committed by Russian forces on Ukrainian civilians continue to come to light with insight on the human rights violations and the steps to war crimes prosecution, potentially. We're joined this morning by Oleksandra Ustinova, Ukrainian MP, member of the Parliamentary Law Enforcement Committee. Good morning to you. Thanks so much for joining us, Ms. Ustinova. Good morning. Thank you for inviting. Appreciate your time. So uh, it's just been terrible for us to watch, no doubt for you as well in the midst of it. But uh, as Ukrainian forces try to recapture towns around Kiev, can you tell us a little bit more about what is being discovered exactly? To tell you the truth, what is being discovered cannot be described by words. This is pure evil that we are facing at the moment because I can hardly imagine or describe uh, how soldiers that cannot be even called soldiers probably because those are uh, pedophiles and rapists who would tie a mom to watch her 11-year-old kid being raped in front of her. Or when we see a lot of uh, pedophiles now, unfortunately, that had been raping children and even putting this video online, we've seen a lot of people being killed just because they are Ukrainians. And this is not about the war and the war crimes only. This is a genocide that we're talking about. Because when people and children are shot in their faces just because they speak Ukrainian, just because they are Ukrainians, We're not talking about the war. We're talking exactly about the genocide. And that is why one of the most important things that the world has to do now is to recognize that that war that is happening in Ukraine partially is a genocide. And uh, the declarations on genocide have to be voted in every parliament around the world. So the world remembers that Russians were not just killing Ukrainians at the war, but this is the genocide that they had committed. Well, what are the steps to prosecuting war crimes like this that we're hearing, these horrific war crimes? So one of the easiest steps that has to be made is to create an international hybrid tribunal. This has been done before in other countries, and that's what the the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, has been asking the international community to do. This is a separate, totally separate court tribunal that has to be created so that later Putin and his other associates and even the soldiers who had been raping children, women and killing them face the court and end up going to jail for what they have done in Ukraine. 
And we understand, you know, things obviously are uh, appearing to get worse before they get better. We've heard that there's a new Russian general who's in charge of some of the forces who could be even more brutal than some of what, uh, you know, has been happening already. Is this, this must be terrifying to you and the people in Ukraine. Unfortunately, it is, but there is nothing new for us. This general has to be had to be in charge of the Syrian forces, as you probably know. And uh, probably more than a month ago, we started saying that when when Putin ch- has changed his strategy from just shooting the uh, infrastructural objects or the army objects to killing as many civilians as he can, so he can put Ukraine and Ukrainian government to the to negotiations table, we realize it's going to be a very bloody war. And unfortunately, seeing people who are being put in charge now is exactly what is happening. We have been telling before that unfortunately Mariupol and every other city that they will be targeting will be the second Aleppo. The world was quiet enough. We had more than 350,000 people killed in Syria. Aleppo was totally destroyed to ashes until the before the international community stepped in. Unfortunately, we see the same right now happening in Ukraine. Putin was basically given a mandate back then in Syria to do that to the Syrian people. Now he's doing the same to Ukrainians. We are speaking with Ukrainian MP, member of Parliamentary Law Enforcement Committee, Alexandra Ustinova and uh, Alexandra, let's talk about you know the supplies that have been sent. We're hearing uh, from UN uh, countries uh, shipping in the supplies. Are they still getting to where they need to battle this invasion? Are you still getting supplies? So we are very grateful for our international partners for the supplies that we are getting. But unfortunately, we keep saying two main things. This is not enough and we need it faster. Because right now we have literally our Marines running out of arms in Mariupol city and they're occupied. We've been trying to uh, deliver uh, the arms to them before, but unfortunately there was no corridor. And one of the most important things that we keep asking the international community to help us with is the uh, MLRS, which has the which is the artillery to basically close our sky and the jets. And these are unfortunately are not coming. So we do receive the support with the anti-tank weapons. We do receive support with the bulletproof vests, with a lot of different kinds of weapons. But to fight Russians, and that's exactly what you've been saying on the news even, they're trying to get over to get over the sky. And we keep asking, every child in Ukraine knows what the no-fly zone is. We keep asking the international community for the no-fly zone, which means if you do not want to do this as you've done in other countries, just give us the weapons, give us the arms, and we can do it on our own. Give us the jets so we can put down the Russian jets who are bombing the cities with the children. Give us the air defense systems, the MLRS that can put down their missiles going to the um, to the residential areas of every city where the civilians are, not the army people. And unfortunately, this has this process has been very slow, and it's been a month and a half since we started asking this, and only now some of the deliveries are coming. But this is not exactly what we've been asking for. So we do appreciate all the help that is coming, but we are fighting now for the freedom, not only of Europe, but of the world. We are fighting the pure evil of the 21st century. And these these 
so-called second army in the world that is stuck in Ukraine now and cannot move, is using the worst they can. They're using the forbidden bombs, they're using all the necessary equipment and all the forbidden stuff they can use just to kill as many civilians as they can. So to protect the civilians, we need the uh, air defense systems and we need the jets. And these unfortunately are still not coming. Blunt talk is necessary right now. We thank you very much for the update. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much. That is Ukrainian MP, member of the Parliamentary Law Enforcement, Alexandra Ustinova. What does the future look like for Premier Jason Kenney and the UCP? With some insight into the start of this weekend's leadership review, we're joined this morning by Lori Williams, political science professor at Mount Royal University. Good morning to you, Lori. Thanks for being with us. Good morning, Sue. It's great to be with you. Okay, so things kicked off this weekend, but boy, it's a full month of voting. It's just, it seems an awfully strange process this time around, is it not? Well, not just strange, one that's raised a ton of questions about you know, why the uh, original process wasn't retained, why people weren't notified before the change was made so that they could join uh, the UCP, so they could participate in the vote, and, and of course questions about uh, whether there are people on the list who don't know that they are there based on partly what happened in, in 2017 and partly on legislative changes since that time. All right. And when we look at, you know, getting the results of this vote, this is not in the next couple of days or so. It's basically the middle of next month. Can you tell us that process and why it takes so long, Lori? Uh, I don't know why it's taking <laughs> so long, but, but the, the idea is that the ballots are um, going to be available this week and people can submit those ballots by mail until May 11th. The count will then occur and the announcement will be made May 18th. Lori, the premier spoke to party faithful or perhaps the party not so faithful this weekend. His message was passionate for sure. What kind of response do you think that got? Well, it got quite a response in the crowd, but the crowd was carefully curated. Um, I understand there were uh, constituency association presidents who tried to get into the meeting and were turned away. It was, and they were told it was by invitation only. Um, Others have commented online uh, on uh, social media about the security that was involved and so forth. Um, it was just carefully staged, uh, meant to ensure that there wouldn't be any any dissidents in the in the audience. Uh, it's that broader audience. I think that there are, are other questions about um, because there are a lot of people out there who are eligible to vote who have questions about what choices they actually have. Jason Kenney was suggesting it was a choice between him and the radical left. But there are other options that polling suggests have a better chance of winning the next election than, J than Jason Kenney does. What do you think the chances are that Premier Kenney survives this leadership review? Well, that's a difficult question because of all of those sort of questions around the process itself. Um, and because of those questions, even if he were to win 50% plus one or whatever the percentage might be, uh, a number of Albertans are questioning whether the process is, is going to be fair. And again, this harkens back to the 2017 race where uh, uh, um, members were signed up without their knowledge and, and votes cast on their behalf without them being aware of it. Um, and of course, there's an RCMP investigation still going on in the process uh, in terms of what happened back then. That's raising questions about the integrity of the current process 
And I just don't see a way for, for Jason Kenney to actually win, even if he does get more than 50%. Now, he's laid out the options. You, He will accept the results of the vote and step aside if he loses. And he's saying that those uh, who are opposed to him must accept the results of the vote as well. So I can see um, the the result being that Jason Kenney does win, but the opponents don't. So I, I mean, I, I can't, for example, imagine Brian Jean discontinuing his his calls for Jason Kenney's resignation. So it looks like there will be a formal or informal split um, within the party, certainly within the caucus in in the legislature, where there are a number of people who've been openly asking for his, his resignation. Now, you recently suggested, speaking of, Brian Jean might fare better than Rachel Notley if an election is called, better than Jason Kenney. What about Danielle Smith? Is, do you think she's even in the running there, or do you think it's all Brian Jean here? Well, according to the latest poll, uh, she doesn't have as good a chance of, of uh, winning the next election as, as uh, Brian Jean does. That's not particularly surprising, given some of the baggage associated with her floor crossing um, and of course, there are still criticisms being being uh, levied against uh, Danielle Smith. So I, I suppose she could campaign. And if if the if the race is a loss for Jason Kenney, then we could see her her campaigning and perhaps campaigning effectively to win the support of of Albertans. Um, but it, it's too soon at this stage to to even see if uh, speculate whether there's going to be a race. But the important thing I think is that. Two former Wild Rose leaders uh, are both saying that, that they want to replace Jason Kenney as the, as the premier of the province and the leader of the party. How interested do you think? I mean, they're going through the process, UCP membership at this point. But do you think that they're, you know, very much invested in this? Or, or, or is there a fatigue not only among UCP voters, but Albertans in general when it comes to, to politics and uh, thinking that can't we all just get along and, and govern? Well, and this is something that Jason Kenney repeatedly has said, that Albertans don't want the UCP to be fighting amongst themselves. They want the UCP and him to be focusing on governing the province. And and I think he's got a point. There there are a lot of people who want to see that happening. The problem for Jason Kenney is that's not what he's doing. He's been focused on this race, on these divisions, um, spending a lot of time and energy, a lot made a lot of promises to people to try to win this leadership or the leadership review. Um, and it doesn't look like the, the priority for Jason Kenney is the province. Rather, it looks like his political future is what he's focusing on. Well, we'll just all speculate for the next month because we won't get the results until May 18th. And we'll check in with you at around that time. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Laurie. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sue and Andy. Thank you. Political science professor at Mount Royal University, Laurie Williams. And this is Motivational Monday, a chance to get you motivated today and beyond. And it also happens to be World Parkinson's Day. Joining us this morning is Larry Gifford, National Director of Talk Radio here at Chorus Entertainment. We say good morning to you, Larry. Andy, Sue, it's good to see you. Uh, good to talk to you. I don't see you. Oh, no, it's the theater of the mind. We can <laughs> yeah. see you. You look great, Larry. Um, I, I am beautiful. <laughs> but before we get into the meat and bones of the conversation, I'm wondering... We have seen, and in research here, we see it listed as Parkinson disease, no S, and Parkinson's disease. Can you tell us, is there a difference, or are we saying it incorrectly? No, there's a, I think that the scientific community often says Parkinson, 
uh, disease, uh, and it's actually named after a doctor uh, who uh, who discovered it back in uh, 1817. It was, it was Dr. Parkinson, uh, and so, but it's Parkinson's disease because it's named after him. Let's uh, talk about your journey, Larry, about when oh. you heard the word Parkinson's oh. and uh, exactly, you know, where it has taken you to today. Sure, yeah. I, you know, it was uh, 2017 when I first heard the words Parkinson's, um, and it was a shock. You know, I, I had some things that were going on. I was having troubles with my walk, and I was sore and stiff, and, uh, you know, I was having troubles with, you know, just uh, keeping, you know, I was having troubles with my hands were cramping up and whatnot, but I, I didn't think anything was related to each other. I didn't realize it was all connected into one thing. Uh, and so it was, it was quite a shock when the doctor said, yeah, it's, it looks like you probably have Parkinson's disease. And I said, probably, can we uh, firm that up? He goes, well, there's really only one test we can do right now to firm up that. And that would be an autopsy. Ooh, wow. I'm like, okay, well. <laughs> we'll skip we'll skip that test for now. <laughs> I'm not ready for that quite yeah. yet. So I'll just take your word for it, Doc. Okay. Um, and so there's a, lot, there's a lot of science that still needs to be done, and science takes time. Uh, and it, it takes a lot of money. Um, and so we, we're, we're hoping to uh, really, you know, put some urgency behind it, like we just saw with COVID, you know, mm-hmm. getting the world to work together to solve a problem. Uh, oftentimes when you can get rid of that red tape and you can get the scientific community working side by side, hand in hand, uh, you can accomplish a lot of great things. Okay, so your diagnosis came in 2017, but we know today is the 25th World Parkinson's Day. So where are we, Larry, when it comes to treatments then? Well, so every, you know, most everybody is on some form of levodopa, which is a replacement dopamine. Uh, by the time you're diagnosed with Parkinson's, you've lost about 80% of your dopamine-producing brain cells. It's a happy drug. You all know it's the happy drug, but it's also the drug uh, or the chemical that you need in your brain uh, to communicate to the rest of your body and to, to do any kind of movement. So if I wanted to pick up my cup of coffee, my dopamine has to sort of lead the way so the, you know, the neurotransmitters can talk to the rest of the body so I move right. Um, and which is why we walk funny and we shake and, you know, we don't have control over our body and we have less control over time because it's degenerative and progressive and there's no cure. Wow. In- incredible when you put it in those terms. There is no cure. So let's talk about Parkinson's awareness and something called the spark. What is the spark and what is behind it? Yeah, so uh, the spark is a new international symbol for Parkinson's awareness with the idea being that we want to... Uh, you know, it's, it's a spark kind of represents the spark of uh, dopamine that you can get that we're so poorly missing. Uh, so it's inspired by that, but it's also inspired by sparking of movement, uh, spark, sparking of movement around the world. Uh, we want to spark conversations in people's, uh, you know, uh, office buildings and in their homes. We want to uh, spark joy around the world. We, we want people to, to really use this as a catalyst, to uh, add urgency to the cause of ending Parkinson's. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more people might donate, the more quickly we maybe potentially find a cure, right? Right, and th- this was all developed by you know a, a consortium of folks. There's a organization I founded called the Global Alliance to End Parkinson's Disease Association, affectionately known as the PD Avengers, and you can go to pdavengers.com. And we uh, actually have thousands of, of individuals from 83 different countries and over 90 organizations worldwide that have that have, have uh, collaborated uh, today to push the spark out at World Parkinson's WorldParkinson'sDay.com. It's interesting, you know, hearing these uh, 
stories and hearing how involved you are, Larry, in something that has affected you and I'm sure your family as well. So I'm wondering, what is your motivation to get up every day and keep fighting? It may have been a case that you you could have turned this into a bitterness and it could have changed your life in a real negative way, but you're moving things ahead. What was the motivation for you? Yeah, you know, it's 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 one thing. It's, I think everybody sort of has that bitterness when they first get diagnosed. It's nobody's like, oh, thank goodness I've got Parkinson's. Uh, but after a while, you realize if, if you're just negative all the time, that you're, you're at odds with, with your body. Uh, and I, I, there came a point where I'm like, you know what? I just need to accept the fact that this is going to be part of my life. And then how can I leverage it for the, the betterment of society? Uh, and realizing that how important storytelling is and how important advocacy is, uh, it, it's really given me purpose in my life. It's, it's, you know, between that and radio and my family, it's what gets me up in the morning. You know, you mentioned a cure earlier. I'm sure you keep up on the research. I would suspect, you know, if you have a disease like this, you're always watching to see if there's anything new. Does it feel or seem like we're even remotely close to a cure at this point? Well, so cures are tough because we don't really cure disease. We just prevent them from onsetting. Uh, So if you think of all the diseases that we don't have to deal with right now, it's not that we... We've, we've eradicated them, it's that we've figured out a way for them not to onset. So that's really what we're trying to do, which means we have to have a test to see if you have it. And we don't have that test, but we are on the precipice of having a biomarker, like a blood test or you know, an eye exam or skin samples or whatever it, whatever it is that they come up with. Uh, so they're very close with that. They also just came out a couple of weeks ago, and this is very exciting for me, that one of the things that happens in people with Parkinson's uh, and uh, it, there's a, something called the alpha-synuclein. It, it, it attacks sort of the power segment of, your bra- of the cells in your brain, the mitochondria. And it folds incorrectly in your brain. But they've never been able to see what happens. They just can see the aftermath when they do the autopsy. But now they can monitor the alpha-synuclein live in your brain. So they can actually see, they're going to be able to actually like document in real time what's happening. So once we have a better sense of what's going on, uh, I think that's going to exponentially uh, speed up the, the, the uh, opportunities for some, some new uh, uh, treatments. Because the treatment we have now is over 50 years old. Wow, incredible. And moving along, moving forward. And we're going to direct people, Larry, to The Long Road to Hope, Ending Parkinson's Disease on YouTube. Uh, we're going to see the trailer for that. You're, you're involved in this one? Yeah, so this is a great project. It's, uh, it's also available on parkinsontv.org. Uh, it's, a, it's a documentary with 12 people's stories from around the world, including mine. Uh, and it's uh, from the folks uh, that wrote the book, Ending Parkinson's Disease which has inspired me uh, to launch PD Avengers, and, and uh, I work with them very closely. And it's, uh, it's just a, it's, a, it's an honor to be included in it, and uh, I encourage everybody to watch it. It's very, it's very insightful, and you can see how Parkinson's affects people at different stages of their life, and it, and it really uh, it's indiscriminate on who it decides to go after. Well, we appreciate your time this morning. We'll send people to parkinsontv.org and also to pdavengers.com on this Motivational Monday as we talk about World Parkinson's Day. Thanks so much for joining us, Larry. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Larry Gifford, our head honcho and national director of talk radio here at Chorus Entertainment. International Women's Group uh, Wine, Women, and Wellbeing is excited to present the Inspirational Networking and Leadership Conference, Women, Inspiration, Leadership, Development. It spells wild. 
coming up in May. With all the details, we're joined this morning by author, educator, and founder of Wine, Women, and Wellbeing, Lisa Webb. Good morning to you, Lisa. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This conference looks fantastic, jam-packed with amazing speakers, and you've even managed to line up the author of Eat, Pray, and Love. Tell us about this. We are very excited to have Elizabeth Gilbert coming to Calgary. We all fell in love with her for Eat, Pray, Love, but she then went on to write a book, Big Magic, and it's all about um, embracing your creative spirit, going after what fills your soul, and that book is just transformational. If you haven't read it, you should. And so that made us fall in love with her again. And we thought, what a great person to bring on to add to this incredible lineup that we already have. And you do have a great lineup, Lisa. Great coup to get Elizabeth Gilbert. You also have Alberta's favorite clinical psychologist. We love her, Dr. Jody Carrington. We've had her on the show before. But let's talk about the conference itself. Hands-on personal and professional workshops led by industry-leading female founders. Why is this event so important, do you think? We have had a really tough couple of years. Um, A lot of us have had shifts in our career, shifts in what our life looks like. And if not, we just kind of need something to kind of kickstart us into getting back out to what our normal once was and bringing a little bit of inspiration into our life, both personally and professionally. And so we just gathered up the best group of women that we could find. And we think we did a pretty good job. And we are so excited to bring it to as many women as we can. Lisa, who is it aimed at? You've got a great lineup, but is this purely for executives or just somebody who has an interest in, you know, uh, motivation and uh, self-improvement? Do you know what? There's a little bit of both because there are things like we're bringing in Selena Gray, for example. Um, She is a wealth management coach, and that could work for your personal life or your professional life. And we have people like Jess Jansen, who is just simply inspirational on all fronts, and we have a lot of female founders like Chad Louie from Poppy Barley, Justine Barber, or sorry, Chad Louie from Paris Jewelers, and Justine Barber from Poppy Barley. So these are women who are have just really been successful in what they do. And um, we have Julie Cole coming from Mabel's Label. She's flying out from Toronto. So I feel like putting yourself in a room with those types of women who are successful and going after their dreams, there's just something really contagious about that. 100%. Tickets going fast, I would imagine? They sure are. They're on sale just until the end of the month. Okay, well, how do we get them? What's the best way? You can go to winewomenwellbeing.com and you're going to see a tab there that says wild. Elephant in the room here, or should I say <laughs> I know male? What you're say. Male in the room here. Are men allowed to come and check this out? Well, we we are a women's group who inspire women. So I'm sure that there's a lot of wonderful opportunities for you in the city. But this one, we're focusing on the women in our community. So you elephant can stay home, I think is what the point is. <laughs> Thank you, Lisa. Appreciate it. It really does look like a fantastic uh, day of, of amazing speakers, workshops, all of it. I think it's going to be really powerful. So appreciate you being here. Winewomenwellbeing.com slash wild to get tickets. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you very much. Lisa Webb is an author and educator and the founder of Wine, Women and Wellbeing. Thanks for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review for free at Apple Podcast, Google Play or wherever you find your podcasts. And tune in to Mornings with Sue and Andy from 530 to 9 every weekday morning on 770 CHQR.